Hi, I'm Molly Weinberg, and I'm a Philly-based lifestyle influencer who gives all the deets when it comes to wellness, travel, even entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Molly Weinberg Podcast, where I chat with experts ranging from gut health specialists to fashion icons and everything in between. I want to share all the specifics to help you live your best life. I'm not sparing any details. Yep, no questions are off limits. Every week, you will walk away from each episode feeling more motivated and more informed than before. Tune in weekly to the Molly Weinberg Podcast to never miss a beat. I think renting is the biggest waste of money ever. There's this uh, famous Chinese proverb that I've just been learning about. And now I tell my clients about it. The saying goes, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The best time is now. That clip you just heard is from this week's guest, Christiana Burley. And I have to say it's a really good episode, especially if you're interested in buying your first home or you're looking to sell a home, whatever it may be. She, we go deep, we go, we dive right in. Christiana is a Kelly Williams real estate agent and has been in the business for over five years. Christiana is who we used to purchase our very first home and she was the best. A little background on this young lady. We went to college together at Temple University in Philadelphia, and she's actually been here ever since. So she really knows the Philly market. However, since she is born and raised in New York, she's a pro at helping people find their best neighborhood and acclimate to the city of brotherly love. Christiana specializes in first-time home buying, investing, and listing. I will say, by the way, her attention to detail is insane. She knows so much. I cannot wait for you guys to hear how detailed we get. And you'll notice she isn't ever trying to pull a fast one. She always has her clients' interests at heart. Anyway, let's uh, let's get the show rolling. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Molly. I'm honored. Truly my pleasure. There was not a better person I could think of when it came, when it comes to real estate. Honestly, like I just know how many people out there are interested in buying their first home and want more information. And you are so the guru when it comes to that. Thank you. So I want to jump right in just so we can get to the nitty gritty. Awesome. Okay. Tell me what is the first step when thinking about buying a home for the first time, because most of the listeners out there are in the boat of wanting to explore that avenue, but not knowing how to take the first step or what the first step should be. Definitely. Thank you for asking. Um, I think the first step should definitely be getting connected with someone like myself um, because you could be three months out, six months out, a year months out from purchasing your first home, but you still want to get connected with one of the experts in the business. Really the immediate step after that is getting connected with a lender, um, or a mortgage person to kind of best help understand where you're at, um, financially speaking and what kind of financial power you have, as we like to call purchasing power to buy a house. You know, I think a lot of people think it's like a very overwhelming and serious task, but it's really not. It's just kind of simply having a quick conversation with myself. It could be for a walk in the park, a quick coffee. Um, and then from there, I'm happy to recommend the best of the best in the lending world to kind of speak with you at that point to best help you for where you need to go. And again, I have clients who talk to mortgage brokers one to two years out from buying just because they want to be best prepared and understand kind of where they stand with their purchasing power. 
Wow. That, I like purchasing power. Let's get that trending. Okay. <laughs> purchasing power. Just because a lender says you can spend X, Y, and Z doesn't really mean you need to. You want to feel as comfortable as possible with this purchase. And that's also, you know, part of the steps of talking with a lender, because even though they could say you can afford up into a certain amount, maybe you want to figure out where you truly feel most comfortable. And that could be, you know, well under from what you were originally told you could spend. Absolutely. Let's rewind. Did you think that you always wanted to pursue real estate? Um, yes, I did. So I how used did that process to- look? I've always been a worker. Like I've been, I worked all throughout high school, college, um, et cetera. And I've had family in real estate. So I kind of got to watch and see what they did. And that inspired me a little bit. Um, and then on top of it, when I was in high school and college, I managed two different golf courses. I'm sorry. I know very random. <laughs> I don't play golf, but I can manage the courses. So I did that. And through like managing the courses and meeting so many different people, specifically like a lot of males in a pretty heavily male dominated industry, everyone there would always tell me that I should get into real estate, but I never really knew what that meant. And then over the years of just kind of like meeting new and more people and hearing the same, um, after we graduated Temple, I took the opportunity to, you know, get myself into real estate. Um, And that looked like becoming the director of operations for a team for a handful, a number of years while also getting my license to be more hands-on with sales. Um, And I've been full-time selling since the summer of 2018. Wow. And you're licensed in obviously Pennsylvania. Where else? I'm only licensed in Pennsylvania right now, but stay tuned and I'll hopefully be licensed soon in New York. Amazing. Um, So people that are listening that are not, let's say in Pennsylvania or even New York, if they want to find a real estate agent that they really vibe with, is there a way that you recommend going about that? Is it like hit or miss? Yeah, definitely. Actually, um, it's funny you asked. One of my friends, um, Rob, he's about to buy a place in Austin, Texas. He actually reached out to me because I have tons of contacts all really all over the nation for who's kind of best to suit you um, and where. And I was actually able to connect him with one of my really good colleagues who lives in Austin um, for him to work with her to buy a place. Wow. That's amazing. So that leads me to a question, condo versus traditional home. Uh, What are the pros? What are the cons? Let's get specific. Oh, I love this question. Um, Condos, pros and cons. I will say at the end of the day, it just comes down to you as a person and what you want. They're both two totally different pieces and purchases of real estate. And I'm not really going to list it as pros and cons because they each are just really differences. And it's just a matter of, you know, who looks at it more of a pro versus a con. Um, So with condos, a lot of times, not all of the times, but a lot of times um, condos come with parking. So you do have aspect, but then again, you also have plenty of single family homes that come with parking. They might just be a little bit more um, expensive. But condos, you can find more reasonably priced places, in my opinion, with parking um, than not. With condo, fee- with excuse me, with condos, you'll also have condo fees, and really depending on where you're buying, those can range anywhere from the lower end of one eighty a month to if you're buying in a luxury high rise north of 
$1,000 a month. And those condo fees will typically range on the parking amenity and or the other amenities within the building. So some of those amenities could be a 24-hour doorman. That is very expensive to hire and maintain people with, you know, you're paying multiple salaries. So you have to take all of that into consideration. Um, some buildings have gyms, some buildings have roof decks, some buildings have, you know, various common areas. There's one building that has pet grooming now, and they even have a guest suite. Yeah, I know. And they even have a guest suite on one of uh, within their common areas. So that way, if you're in a one or a two bedroom and your parents come and stay, you can rent out the guest suite for like $150 a night or something like that to have your guests stay in the guest suite. And with condos, you typically see less maintenance because the bulk of the maintenance is covered within the building. And any maintenance that you would see in a condo is just kind of normal wear and tear or updating of the unit, or it could be, you know, your heaters X, Y, and Z years old, so you have to replace it. Again, you don't see as much maintenance as you would within a single family home. So I think that's a pretty good high level differences of really just like condo fees, Parking um, and maintenance are kind of really the big differences between single family homes and condos. So what if someone is renting right now and they're nervous about purchasing because it's going to be like a big jump for them, let's say, or a really big responsibility? I was told really early on when I first was renting after graduation, like you should save your pennies, maybe live with a roommate or live at home for a little bit and then wait a year or two and try and buy a house because it's going to save you in the long run. Cause essentially rent is like throwaway money. Exactly. I'm just curious what your opinion is on this. I feel the same way. I think renting is the biggest waste of money ever. There's this uh, famous Chinese proverb that I've just been learning about. And now I tell my clients about it. The saying goes, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The best time is now. Yes. Um, and I think that applies directly with real estate because prices are only going up. Everything's only going up. So the sooner you can buy, the better. I also like to work with clients and people to, again, make sure that they're feeling as comfortable as possible with this purchase. So ideally, what, uh, whatever you're spending in monthly net, in monthly rent now will be either less than or identical or maybe just even a little bit more with, again, what you feel most comfortable with in comparison to what you were paying in rent. I was paying almost $1,700 when I first graduated, which is absurd. Mm -hmm. And I was just talking to someone now who's going to be living in an area that's not like the best area ever, but it's still great. And they're paying like is so much. And if that could just be converted into mortgage or saving until you can buy that home. Yeah, it's very helpful. So I had clients who over the summer, this is like a good story with what you were um, chatting about. And to this day, we like still kind of poke fun at it. They were renting a two bedroom in Fairmount for I believe 2,300 a month. And they came to me, they were like, Christiana, our lease is up like within a month and a half. And we really want to, we're about to have a baby and we really want to rent a bigger place that has parking. And we only want to spend up to 2,500. So I initially had a conversation with them about renting a place for 2,500. And then I was kind of like, look guys, you could do a lot better or almost the same if we get creative 
when buying a place. So they ended up buying a place, right? Like, let's call it the Italian market, like Pensport area, right by Pashyank. Oh, really nice. Yeah, they ended up buying a place, a huge, beautiful four-bedroom home, parking, roof deck, super low taxes for like the next six to seven years. We could talk about Philadelphia's tax abatement program in a second if you would like to. And they're monthly. So now again, they were renting for $2,300 a month. Now they're buying and purchase this house and their new monthly, it's like $2,295. Wow. It was the joke that it ended up being like less than what they were currently spending in rent by like $5. And it will actually be significantly less than what they were planning on spending in rent had they continue renting for the next one to four to five years. I have to say like you are fantastic when it comes to explaining and giving all the information because unfortunately when we first started looking for houses, I feel like people were giving advice just to suit their own needs and get deals done faster. And with you, Real Estate with CB, I just, I, I fully believe in the mission because you really are out there to help people find the right homes for them and not just to sign a deal. So the fact that you like took them in and explained like, Hey, you could be actually saving a little money if you're buying rather than throwing rents away. That's incredible. That's also one of the reasons why I got into real estate because I started learning, you know, they don't teach you this in school. Like the earlier you buy real estate, the earlier it can be a, you know, a wealth building mechanism and tool for the rest of your life. I look at it as buying real estate as kind of like a stepping stone with all of that. So like you remember when you and Daniel were first looking, I was like, okay, let's remember this isn't, you know, necessarily your forever home. Like, yeah, it's your home for now but it's a stepping stone into, you know, where you're going in life and let's not put all your eggs in one basket and just kind of keep things like that in mind. Absolutely. This is actually one of the questions that someone submitted back in like six months ago when we first were looking and buying. And I saved this because I was like, this is a great question to one day ask you. And I'm glad that you just mentioned it. So this girl submitted saying, people say the best investment you can make for yourself is buying property, living in it for a year or two, then renting. Do you actually advise this? Yes. And I'm doing the same thing. So I guess this will be helpful to share my story too. Um, I bought my first house um, just over two years ago. I live in it with a roommate. So I contribute to my mortgage each month, obviously. And she gives me rent each month to contribute to that mortgage. And from that and being able to cover some of my mortgage while also, you know, not putting all my eggs in one basket, I'm living here and will continue living here for as long as I can. Um, and I'm also buying another investment property. This girl's to, hustling. <laughs> to do exactly just that, kind of rent it out and cash flow. Truth be told, I don't have a car because I'm weird. But if I did have a car, I probably would be moving into that house because it's a lot bigger, it's a lot nicer new construction. It has a nice new roof deck with skyline views. So truth be told, I would in general, probably just like rent out the house that I'm in now and move into this one and kind of continue doing that every year, every other year. Um, I'm just not ready to leave my house yet. Um, We don't like to pack. Yeah, we, we hate or moving move. and we hate moving. So yeah, no, I think it's literally the best investment you can make. When I work with my clients as well, and Molly, you know this a little, a little too, we're working to make sure that it's a purchase that you're comfortable with. 
Um, but we're also looking at, as I like to say, no matter which way we cut it, it works as a purchase or an investment property. So I'm always very on the ball with this with clients, if you will, to say, okay, what will your monthly look like? And what do current fair, um, fair market rent values look like as well. Another prime example was I had clients who bought a two bedroom condo, right? Um, not too far from where I live now. They bought it in the summer of 2018 and, you know, with life changes and everything within a year, they had a baby right before the baby came. They decided they don't want to be in the city anymore. They actually want to be out in the burbs closer to their parents. Great. Amazing. So within a year, they bought another house in the suburbs and we, for the last two going on, however many years we've been renting out their unit and they cash flow about three to $400 a month. They did nothing but live in the house for not even a year to basically jumping into immediate cash flow each month. Do you think now is a good time to buy or is it a better time to be selling? <laughs> great question. Um, it's a great time to be doing both, which obviously sounds like an oxymoron and it probably sounds really salesy of me, but here is the data and facts about it. It's a great time to sell right now because we have absolutely no inventory. This may be a silly question, but how actually does inventory work? When you have over a six month supply of inventory, it's considered a buyer's market because buyers have all the time in the world to go and like see all of these homes because there's so much inventory. Right now we are looking at a, I think Philly's average, I wonder if I could look it up quickly, but last week our average days on market were 13 days. Holy shit. Yeah. So that means currently if all the buyers were to go out and put everything under contract, there would be absolutely no homes in 13 days. Unbelievable. Yeah. So if you're thinking about selling or whatever your case may be, and just want to have a consultation, that's definitely something I can help with. Because again, I'm always one of those people where I advise you not to sell and hold on to the real estate for as long as you want and feel comfortable with to have it as an investment property to cash flow. But right now people are just seeing like some crazy returns for what they bought it for and what it's worth and going for because of the market. My wow. colleague just put up a three bedroom house in like the Newbold section, like just south of Point Breeze. It was beautifully designed, wonderful taste. It's actually two architects who own it and have remodeled it throughout the years. And they have to move back to DC. So they put it on the market. And my colleague really wanted to test the market for them and listed it in our minds, what we thought was very high. And Within 48 hours of going on market, she had a full price offer. Damn. Yeah. Sold. Yeah. So if you're considering selling, now is definitely the best time to sell. But with that being said, if you're considering buying, now is also amazing time to buy. Definitely in the cities. The suburbs are crazy, but hey, go for it. And we have people to help you navigate the crazy suburban um, market as well, real estate market. But because interest rates are so low right now, it also, this is why I've kind of why it's an oxymoron because interest rates are so low, it makes it such a good time to buy because makes everybody sense. wants to take advantage of these low interest rates. So like 
for example, I'm one of those people, you know, I'm buying another place. So definitely a great time to sell if you're considering it and definitely buy because nobody's really worked with or had these interest rates, historically speaking. Typically mortgage rates, when I started in the business, um, they started kind of like in the very high threes and always hovered to like 4.5, 4.75. Um, as a matter of fact, when I closed on my home in 2019, I got a 4.75 and thought that was like an amazing rate. Wow. And this year I've had clients close with, you know, the same kind of style loans and loan products, and they're getting 2.65, they're getting 2.75, 2.875. Wow. Um, I just got quoted today to keep my rate under three. I just got quoted at 2.99. So really, again, it's a great time to take advantage of getting these lower interest rates as well. So let's break this up for people who have no idea what we're saying when we say rates. Can you explain the process of, okay, let's say I'm Susie Lynn and Susie Lynn is interested in buying a home in Point Breeze. And I come to you and I say, my, what I think my budget is, is 300,000. I'm not exactly sure. You're going to say to me what? I'm going to connect you with one of my amazing lenders. Um, and, I'm and then gonna they're going to say, you, I need all your information, all your accounts, and you can afford X. Yeah. And it won't be really um, for at least the first like preliminary call um, with the lender. You know, people always think they're going to have to give like blood samples over to the lender at that point. Like, no, you don't have to do that. It's really just an initial call to talk to the lender and say, okay, I make X, Y, and Z each year. Um my credit score typically hovers around this. I owe this in credit card payments, or I don't owe this in credit card payments. I may or may not be getting a gift from a family or relative. You know, what does that look like for me? And then from there, the lender will be able to build out a scenario to say, okay, you know, it looks like your interest rate's going to hover around three. And here's what the numbers look like if you were to put down, you know, three or 5% on an X, Y, and Z priced home. Okay. And is there a fee for people to talk to a lender and get that data? Nope. And is there any like hidden gems? This is like the good juicy stuff that you shared with me. If you are a doctor, there's like a special loan. Oh yes. If you are in the medical world, if you're a doctor or nurse, um, you should definitely be considering, um, buying as well because doctors and nurses, um, and some, there's some lawyer attorney programs out there where they're offered the best programs because the lenders know like, okay, you might not be making any money right now um, because you're coming out of your residency program. Um, but we know that within the next two to five to 10 years, you're going to come out making a doctor or surgeon salary. So you're able to afford all of this while also paying back your student loans. And they can also purchase places with absolutely no money down. Just pay the monthly payment each month um, and pay it down and pay it off. Wow. Back to the simple process. So now the lender tells me that my I can afford, let's say, 290. I was I was reaching over at 300. Okay, and okay. the interest rate is 3%, let's say. Yep. So now I come back to you and I say, hey, I'm looking at this type of budget and I need for my lifestyle 
at least two bedrooms still in the Point Breeze area. What's the, we look at houses, I find a house I love. Now what happens? You put an offer on my behalf. We work together to really understand like, you know, the ins and outs of all of it. So we're gonna, you know, get back on, or I'll get back on my laptop and look at all of the recent sales and comps within the area. Cause we want to make sure, you know, we're not offering too much, too less. Um, and again, each scenario is different as you know, your scenario was a little bit competitive. So we kind of had to get together, put our minds together to come up with the best creative solution to win the property, we had to so, which we ended up winning. Um, so we'll work together to kind of go over all of that, make sure, you know, the buyer or you're in full understanding of what's happening. Um, make sure everybody understands I'm here to hold their hand, like every step of the way, you know, outline how the offer works and looks, um, you know, between closing dates and things like that. Um, and then we submit the offer and hopefully all goes well and we go under contract Um, And then again, I'm here to hold everybody's hand every step of the way. So, you know, I will happily introduce you to all of my amazing contacts and vendors, whether it's Bob, the inspector, who everybody knows. We love Bob. (laughs) If it weren't for Bob, we would have some issues in this home. And let me tell you, Molly, let him know. Oh, we will. We we still (laughs) want his margarita machine. (laughs) Oh, yes. I love Bob. So yeah, we introduce everybody to Bob for inspections and make sure, you know, everybody's comfortable with that process. And, and that really happens before as you're, yep. Before closing, um, typically within t- uh, 10 days of going under contract. So that way you're getting a whole education sense and piece of what's going on in your home, how to main- how to best maintain your home. And should anything come up in that, I work with the clients to negotiate on their behalf with the seller side of things. Um, And then I'm there for, you know, to be kind of like the liaison between your mortgage broker and the title company. Title company is if you have a car and have title insurance on your car, it's basically the same for a house. You want to make sure the, one of the biggest purchases of your life that you're purchasing is fully insured you own it outright. Nobody else can come and take it from you. So I help you with all of that. And then ideally it's smooth sailing to the closing table and we celebrate hopefully the best purchase and investment that you'll ever make. Realistically, what is the timeline for when you submit your offer? They accept, let's say the 10 days and within there you have the inspection with Bob. Yep. Now what happens? You're at the 11 day mark after they accept the offer until when, for when you're at the closing table? I would say it in this market right now, we're looking at anywhere from like a 30 to 45 day close. Okay. Um, I believe you guys had a pretty quick close. Yes. Um, so really after inspections and all of that, you're typically just under contract for maybe another 30 days, if that And again, during that time, it's where you're getting all of your documents and your ducks in a row with the lender, where making sure everything is clear and good to go on the title end of things. We're making intros to make sure on the back end, title and mortgage are working together on all of this. You're also going to have your appraisal with the lender, which, you know, us as real estate agents, we're not involved with. The lender hires a private um, appraisal company to come out and make sure that the home appraises. You want the home to appraise for what you're under contract for, or 
hopefully, and we've been seeing some of these scenarios. Yeah, more. The house that I was referring to before where I helped my clients buy the property instead of renting and their mortgage was like $5 less than their current, um, than their current rent. Yeah. Their place appraised for like 30 grand more than what we were under contract for. Wow. Yeah. So like, not only did they, you know, save money with their monthly housing payment, they also walked into like $30,000 worth of equity instantly. Unbelievable. What is the biggest mistake you see home buy- new home buyers make time and time again? Spending too much money. Mm, because they think this is like their first big house. They need to go all in. Yeah. Or they just like, you know me, I'm, I'm very frugal. And I also have to be mindful of this because I look at real estate as like the whole big picture, like not just that you're purchasing this home. I look at it as like a lifetime of purchases and kind of bettering yourself and making these strong investments really through that one investment. So I would say like, yeah, one of the biggest mistakes I hear people do is just spending too much money. One of my friends had a really good friend who worked with kind of like a random agent. The friend tried to like connect us, but it just didn't work out. And when I found out like what he bought and for how much and where, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I would never, ever let a client spend that much money in that neighborhood for what they purchased. Wow. As I like to tell you, and I've told other people, like, I'm not in it for the sales, like I'm in it for the Mm -hmm. education. So Mm -hmm. like clearly in my mind, this person who just went and purchased like this amazing, awesome house and he can, you know, have these great parties at and whatever It was like, okay, you're 20 something years old and just bought a very expensive house when you really didn't need to go and do that. And nobody along the way went and educated you on that. Someone submitted a question back in like August, September time. Someone said, how do you know if your agent is actually right for you? So is this like, you're going to have to try a few out? How do you, how do you know if you're vibing? Great question. At the end of the day, like if you vibe with somebody, you kind of know, right? Um, I don't want to say like dating because that's not, (laughs) that's not a good comparison. Not the right term. (laughs) Um, It's like if you're friends with somebody and you're genuinely friends with them and you love them as a friend and you like, know, and can trust them, then I would say when you have that similar vibe with a real estate agent, that's when you know they're the proper one. If you feel like you're being rushed or pressured or pressured into spending more money. Run away. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we have to have hard conversations with clients because, you know, there's the infamous phrase, um, you have champagne taste on a beer budget. So, you know, sometimes I have to have the come to Jesus talks to be like, I always tell people if I could get you the million dollar property for 300 grand, I would. Thank you. (laughs) But that's not how the market and life works, unfortunately. So that's why, again, it comes back to that moment of education. And, you know, I always tell people like, trust your gut. Absolutely. You know, trust when you were first working out with certain people, you know, and then we met and kind of started things. I feel like you and Daniel both trusted your gut and that led you to making the right decision. Definitely. 
I do have a feeling that after people are listening to this, whether they're five minutes into this podcast or the whole session, they're going to be intrigued by the real estate profession. Do you have a recommendation, I guess, for someone who wants to learn more, whether it be a course, a book, what's like a good resource for someone who doesn't actually have any real estate knowledge that maybe wants to pursue this and become licensed? Great question. Definitely feel free to get connected with me on that end. I'm happy to talk about it. And then start doing research on different places that you can start taking your courses. Um, So whether that's, I think Temple offers the course now that I've been forwarding to you, Molly. Oh God. (laughs) It's on my Uh, radar. It's on my radar. I know, I know. And there's a few other places as well that you can go and get your, um, take the courses to get your license. And also, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions in real estate is that this is not Bravo's million dollar listing. This is not Netflix's selling sunset. Um, There is a lot of hard work and grind and hustle that goes into it. So I would just say kind of like have an internal conversation with yourself. Like, are you already in a sales position? Are you okay with being in front of people all the time? Are you okay with answering your phone on Sunday night at 1030 or maybe Sunday night at 1130? Legitimately leads me to my next question. How do you personally find a balance between the hustle and your personal life? Because you are that person who is grinding at 1130 at night on a Sunday because I saw your stories last night and you were at it. So tell me, like, does that take a toll on you? Do people need to like know this going in? I guess- you're right. Like it looks a little like glitz and glam from the outside, but on the inside, there's definitely a lot of hustle. So what's the reality? Um, I think the reality is like it, it is what you make of it. The harder you work, the more business you have, you know, the more hustle you have to have. And, you know, it's just juggling all of those balls. You know, I try to keep in, in mind that yes, we're always on in a sense, But, you know, I have clients who they have to go to work on Monday, Tuesday morning, you know, they can't be talking to me, dealing with me. Yeah. Maybe in a certain like competitive situation or scenario, we have to be like very communicative of what's going on, but I've learned to like allow myself time when I have it or when I need it. I think this is applicable in all the industries, especially today's world when everyone's working from home or whatever. There is burnout stages. People do burn out. Um, So I would say like, I probably burnt out from the golf course. I was there all the time from 5 a.m. to 7.30, 8 p.m. Dealing with all of these crazy men. You know, I'd be like the only girl there. And I was, you know, younger and just working my booty off. And it like got to the point where I was like, wow, I can almost like see a future for like working in the golf business. And then I just got burnt out from it. And I was like, I never want to step foot on a golf course again. And I promised myself that real estate is like my, you know, my lifelong career and lifestyle, if you will. So I don't want to burn out from it. It's okay to be off. So like, if you have a day where you're not as busy as your other days, that's okay. Because, you know, your busy day is going to come tomorrow. What is your, if you have a routine, what is your routine? Whether it's like a morning routine, a night routine, maybe something that you implement for self-care, something that is a little more personal that's beyond just like the business side of 
Christiana as a real estate agent? Definitely. Thanks for asking. So I love Soul Cycle. I'm a big soul cycler. That is like my exercise, my therapy, all of it all in one. So I always make time to go to Soul Cycle. Um, and I usually go with a friend or two. So we'll go to Soul Cycle, we'll get coffee after, we'll catch up. And it's just a really nice day or time to kind of remember why it's so hard to like do the self-care. Like I always feel amazing after Soul Cycle. I feel like I'm gonna be my best self that day. I also just discovered another workout called X-Force. I'm getting pretty into, I've only went once, but I actually really like it. And then I always say like my family and friends is my, like, they are who I am and I wouldn't be here without them. I think I do a really good job of kind of like just hanging out with my friends and family, like as best as I can. And like, to me, that's self-care whether it's having all my friends over for a Sunday dinner and we're just like hanging out, talking, catching up, who's in real estate, who isn't. So we might be catching up about the market or certain clients we have and how we're, you know, working hard to get them under contract. Um, Or if it's just taking time to go up to New York and visit my family, just little things like that. Before we go, I realized we didn't speak about tax abatements. Can you speak on that for a little bit and explain what that term even means? Is it helpful for people buying a new home or first-time home buyers, I should say? What is that looking like? Yes. So tax abatements, um, the city of Philadelphia has a tax abatement program in place. When I meet one-on-one with clients, we'll get into like the nitty gritty of this more, but like the high level of it is it's. Um, The Philadelphia tax abatement is an incentive to keep builders, developers, and buyers building and buying homes in the city of Philadelphia. The city of Philadelphia has one of the highest costs to build, but then our purchase prices and market prices don't necessarily always withhold that cost to build. Our cost to build is up there with New York and San Francisco, but of course we don't have- I did not know that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just very expensive to build in Philadelphia because it's dealing with the city, the wow. plans, the permits, dealing with the city is not um, the easiest task in the world. So with that to, again, incentivize all parties to kind of keep the real estate market moving and Philadelphia implemented what's called the Philadelphia tax abatement program. And it essentially says like, okay, you can buy new construction Um, And your taxes on the new construction for the next 10 years is where the 10 years comes into place will only be applied to the previous existing structure. So if you have new construction and the previous existing structure was a lot, your taxes are only applied to that lot. So you can buy a $450,000 home, but your taxes for the next like 10 years, let's say, would only be $1,200 for the year, which is like unheard of in some wow. ways. So that means- This is a gem. Yeah. So that means your taxes will only be like $100 a month, sometimes even less. In the new construction condos there, because you know there's more of them with the condo units, I've seen taxes where your taxes are only $600 for the year. And that 10-year tax abatement timeline, it, it stays with the property. So if you sell year five, that buyer can come in and also has advantage of the five-year tax abatement remaining. 
This is such a juicy hidden gem. Mm -hmm. I, when we first learned about this, we were floored. And I'm hoping that people who are listening who didn't already know are taking notes because this is such a great way for new home buyers to invest in the most economical way. And by also like supporting Philly, you know, construction and properties. Exactly. They are with COVID. It is kind of up in the air. They were supposed to change the Philadelphia tax abatement at the end of 2020. It was basically, it would still be the, the same 10 years, but each year it would go up 10%. So that way by the end of year 10, you were paying the full 100% of taxes and it was less of an insane, you know, obviously the city makes more money, but then also it wasn't, you know, now if your taxes are $1,200 for the next 10 years, you're going to come out of that with your taxes being like closer to 3000 to 3600 So you do have a little right. bit of a jump, you know, from year 10 to 11. So it was also kind of a way to mitigate that jump and, you know, maintain the tax abatement program to a certain extent while still contributing funds to the city. This is so enlightening. I am. And I will put carrot. If you are trying to take advantage of the full 10 year tax abatement, we don't know what's going to happen after December 31st, 2021. So if this tax, if this full 10 year tax abatement program sounds like it is uh, perking your ears up, definitely message me. Um, I've been working with a lot of my clients to get their foot in the door for the full 10 year tax abatement um, before the year ends in case it changes. Such so, a good tip. Yeah. I would recommend Christiana a million times over. So if you are listening and you're looking to buy your first home or you have questions or you're maybe in the very beginning stages, don't hesitate to slide into the DMs. Yeah, please don't hesitate to reach out. Christiana, if people want to find you, if they feel like you are the guru they've been looking for, can you please pimp yourself out so people can find you in the best way? Definitely. And I'm always here, even if it's just for a quick combo, um, a question. You know, I've had plenty of friends who had to work with other agents and they might have questions during that process. And again, I'm just here to be a point of education and help. Um, You can find me on Instagram. My first name, Christiana, C-H-R-I-S-T as in Tom, I-A-N-A-T, or hashtag with real estate with C-B. If you search that, you'll see all of my posts. Um, Or feel free to call, text anytime. My cell is 914-497-1958. And I can also easily be reached on my email, which is my first name, Christiana, be as in boy at kw like kellerwilliams.com. Um, and Molly can put this all in the chat or something too. I will definitely add it to the show notes. And I want to thank you so, so much for joining me today. This was so informational. I have learned so much from you since I first met you to working with you to buy our home. And now again, on this podcast. So you are the best. Thank you. I appreciate that, Molly. It was a pleasure working with you and becoming your great friend. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with your friends, family, loved ones, really anyone who you think would gain value from this episode. And if you're feeling up for it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so, so much.